What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 17 of the Noise Podcast, brought to you by noise.co.uk. I am your host, slash your boy, Chris Pugh, and I'm joined by my very good friend and Mr. Cynical himself, Samuel Lewis. Mate, how are you? Oh, I'm fantastic, man. I can't wait for today. Mate, album review shows that we do are always pretty special, but this one feels special, more special than most, doesn't it? Yeah, it really, really is. Having um, having a massive band like Killswitch to review in the top of uh, a new up-and-coming band called Shadow of Intent that we're both really excited about. So I think it's, uh, it's another special occasion today. That Shadow of Intent album, I cannot wait to dig through the bones with you about. But first of all, if it's your first time listening to us, this is an alternative rock and metal podcast brought to you usually every two weeks by the gentlemen at noise.co.uk. Um, now... This week is a one-off episode where if an album comes out where we haven't got a podcast scheduled, we will do an extra episode just so we can specifically review the album. We were just going to do Killstreet Engage. However, I stumbled across that the new Shadow of Intent album was worth talking about. And boy, it is worth talking about, isn't it, Sam? Oh, yes, it is. You can get this podcast on streaming services pretty much anywhere you'd like. I would like to announce that we are now fully on Spotify. It was a weird thing that happened. We were originally on Spotify, then we had to get taken off, but now it seems everything's working back clear there, so we're now back on Spotify. We are on Google, we are on Apple, and we're also on YouTube as well, as you would probably listen to us through YouTube at the moment. If you could drop us a subscription on YouTube, that would be absolutely amazing. Uh, we are nearing in on that 100 mark, which would mean an awful lot to us. Uh, latest up on uh, noise.co.uk, which I wanted to bring some attention to you, uh, was our bands that you should check out at Arctangent. Now, Arctangent has already been and gone now. However, still, uh, you might discover a new band that you weren't previously aware of, because Arctangent's um, lineup was absolutely amazing. I'm actually kind of upset that I couldn't go. Uh, Pine and Condra uh, did an album called Curse These Metal Hands, which, as you will have known if you listened to last week's episode when I interviewed Brady from the band, that actually is a, a, a pun from Peep Show, which is fucking awesome, of course. And there's also album review on Mallory Knox up there as well. Give us a follow on Twitter at Noise UK, and you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Noise UK as well. Sam, are you ready to start reviewing some of these fucking banging albums? Let us begin. Uh, we're going to start with Shadow of Intent, uh, Melancholy, so we'll say uh, the biggest to last, obviously Killswitch Engage being the biggest. Mate, I'm going to just start us off here, you can tell me how bold you think I'm being here. Um, I think that uh, with Deathcore, it's you can't really use the word uh, genius with much of it. You know, a lot, a lot of the time I'm listening to Deathcore, um, basically I'm waiting for the horrendously heavy breakdown or the specifically scarring vocals. But I think there are moments on this album from Shadow of Intent where genius wouldn't actually be too far outside the realms of of realism as to how you could describe some of the moments on this album. How bold do you think that is? Um, I actually don't think it is at all. Uh, I think you're underlying it. I think this is the I think it's the best extreme album of the year. Yeah, this is just absolutely astonishing, isn't it? Fucking yeah, this hell. is this is this is this is incredible. Um I've never had to li- I've never listened to an extreme metal album um that I don't have to delve through to find the genius. Do you know what I mean? So like extreme metal like the really 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 complex ones the ones that are like really rewarding you tend to have to spend like a month with them you know what i mean like um like opeth and and, and bands of that nature and stuff and like 
you really have to sort of delve in and this just hits you immediately I, i've i've never i've never heard a modern extreme metal album um that combines this level of complexity and, and songwriting for as long as i can remember honestly uh, this is this is the album this is the album that the extreme metal's been crying out for man like this isn't just this isn't just great deathcore either this is great deathcore and elements of great death metal and elements of great black metal and it's just all just sort of beautifully combined together um this is i i, I have i have I have limited I have limited vocabulary to justify what some of this is. I mean, um, from the minute it kicks off with the, with a with a title track into Grave Singer, those those first two songs are just outrageous with the the level of sort of guitar play and the and and the complexity of the songwriting. Um, when you get other songs in here like I can't even pronounce it, but I think Chthonic Odyssey is how you pronounce it. That is that is. That is a top five extreme metal song I've heard in the last decade. It's it's just phenomenal. Um, the way the way that it's written, uh, the way that it's been constructed, um, it's mixed beautifully. Um, so atmospherically put together, uh, percussively it's outstanding. So in the context, I don't think I think calling it a genius album in and of itself is tough um, because then you're you're putting it up there with like the greatest albums in every genre, and I think that would be hard. But um, in the context of death metal and death core, I think this is as as far away a success as I've in terms of musical performance and variety and just pure combination of sort of like real brutality but mixed in with like a genuine sort of extravagance and pomp and ceremony and it just it feels special listening to it. It feels important. It feels like this is a a band breaking out, or, or or the music prepared by a band that are much bigger than Shadow of Intent. There's like a real, real weight to everything that's been put on here, and the vocalists. Oh, oh, oh my God! Um, <laughs> I, I have I have I have never I have never heard black metal or death metal or deathcore vocals quite this brutal, and yet perfectly done like it's clean as fuck this is there's when we did i think was it was it the venom prison album um that we did yeah. a few a few months ago and it was like i could appreciate how excellent it was but it was like two garbage cans being bashed together at the same time yeah this is the opposite this is like this is genius in the way that like a mercedes benz is a genius of engineering do you know what i mean it's all smooth and silky and uh, it, it, it's hard to explain that, that that's a level with with a black, a black metal deathcore vocalist sort of thing to ha- to sound this like devilish devilish and to be able to sound this smooth and clean at the same time i think is honestly extraordinary this is this is mind-blowing this is this is incredible this is the best extreme metal album i've heard for at least four years i agree wholeheartedly uh, we, we pretty much and it, it's, it's not often that we do. Yeah, no, uh, usually there is some, on, there on, albums, some on albums like this, it's usually you're either completely for it, and I'm like, nah, this is boring, or I'm completely for it, and you're like, it doesn't do enough here, here, and here. There is very rarely an extreme metal album that meets us in the middle. This is extraordinary. This, you know what, Chris? 
this is what Carnifex should have been doing. This is yeah. this is like because Carnifex is well mixed. Carnifex is beautifully played, but it doesn't sound like this, does it? No. This is a clear. This is a this is a shift. This is like it's got the instrumentation, it's got the vocals, it's got the drum, but also the fucking songs are unbelievable. Yeah, mate, this is a level of songwriting which is just way outside the confines of deathcore. Calling this album deathcore seems seems like you're being particularly limited on 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 what. Yeah, yeah, it sounds patronising. Yeah. Um, uh, let's just go back to the beginning, mate. Uh, the start of Melancholy when that piano kicks in. Um, and I, I, was, I was listening to it and I was thinking, interesting, where they're going to go from here. And then, mate, once once we get going, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that vocal line kicked hell. in, and I immediately span around in my chair <laughs> like a Bond villain, <laughs> like because it comes out of nowhere, dude, and then kicks into like that thrash metal thing for a little bit. I'm like, what the fuck is this? incredible what i you know i'm not someone who's into symphonic metal really it doesn't really do a lot for me but somehow somehow shadow of intent play around with it here and and they drop it in in ways that just get the the hooks on this record now how many times have you described a deathcore record or deathcore record and been like oh yeah man there's loads of hooks in it it's really catchy seriously (laughs) seriously though the way they spin some of the instrumentation and symphonic elements on this album is genuinely, like, really, like, insatiable. Mm. Mate, one thing I wanted to bring up to you uh, specifically was there's a song in it called Underneath a Sullen Moon. Yes. And as they go into the breakdown, there is something that the drummer does that I just do not understand. Like, as as, <laughs> as, as someone who's never played drums, yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure whether you know what I'm referring to or whether you remember specifically what I'm on about. I think it's around the two-minute mark, <laughs> one of a hundred breakdowns on this album. But yeah. uh, th- there is uh, something that he does that I just cannot uh, explain. I, I, I don't even know what he's doing. Um, some incredible cymbal work. Like, I know that much. But how he's mixed it together with the double kick pedal and then into his fucking snare, I just do not understand how he's done it. Um and I think that was probably like the standout track on the album for me, just absolutely fucking punishing from from the get go. But what I think is like most interesting about this album is, as punishing as it is, it doesn't. And I don't know how am I going to use the right terminology here. I'll give it a go. It doesn't sound as punishing as other deathcore or heavy extreme metal no. albums that no, we've reviewed doesn't. this year, because uh, there's a way that, that, that when they bring all these elements together. It's kind of Frankenstein and moulded together in a sense that, like, there's a clear chorus, there's a clear bridge, you know, there's a clear intro, outro. It's the way it's all pieced together. It's done in, in such a fucking crystal clean way that this album is just. There's so much on play here. Like, I can hear Cradle of Filth in this. Yes. Uh, I can hear uh, Die Art is Murder. Yes. All I can hear, insert symf- symphonic metal band, none of them really come to me uh, off the top of my head. And Yeah, like Nightwish or Dimmu Borgir or actually, something Actually, like yeah, that. there we go, Nightwish. You can hear a bit of Nightwish in this. Um, there's a ten and a half minute instrumental on this album. <laughs> and it's not boring. No, no, it's incredible. I was I was in the gym listening to it today. I've already heard it before, but in uh, the I gym... Bet you, I bet you punched the back off the wall. <laughs> Some of these. In the gym, I was listening to it. I didn't do anything for ten minutes, pretty much. I was just sat there on the machine... Luckily, the gym was dead, so now I wanted to get on there, wait for it to fucking finish. But I was just sat there on the machine, just absolutely blown away. So the level of instrumentation on this, 
is just fucking out. Uh, yeah. Man, how do we even summarise this? Uh, and also, something I wanted to point out, I can't confirm this because I haven't actually looked too much into the details of the record, but I think this was self-produced. Fuck off. I think it was self-produced, judging, judging by what I've seen. Um, I, I think, fucking out. I think this album was self-produced by, you know, and... And if it was, my goodness, not only are these, not only this fucking uh, quintet, just astonishing musicians, somehow they've all got together in a room and not fought relentlessly over who gets what part, because they're all absolutely amazing. Uh, the drummer, I think his name's Anthony Barone, mate, talk to me about him for a moment, because I, I am just gushing for what you, what, as someone who is a drummer such as yourself, I'm just gushing at what you thought of the drums on this. Yeah, it's it's what you tend to get um, with typical deathcore is it's all about consistency and precision and pace. So you tend not to get um, a great deal of what I like to refer as like flam flare and flamboyance or the little moments in between. Um, so the things that I think do make a great drummer is that every great metal drummer can do the like the machine gun triplets and the blast beats. And the, the the thrash metal stuff, you know, because that's like the the bar that you have to get across to be a great metal drummer. Do you know what I mean? To be able to do that for an hour, that's what yeah. you have to do. But what sets the great ones apart is the little bits in the middle, is the drum fills. Um, when it all gets a little bit slower, and you have to actually play like real drums, what I like to call them, rather than like machine gun drums. Like Joey Jordan's a great drummer, not because he can play faster than everybody else, because when it broke down and he does the slow bits, he, he can play like grace notes and little stuff with his hi hats and his cymbals, and he can play like like almost like elements of funk and like Latin styles in terms of some of his some of his drum fills and things like that. That's what sets him apart. And, and this drummer here has a similar type of ability um, where when it gets away, when he has an opportunity to get away from the like the classic deathcore drumming uh, that doesn't leave a lot of room for the imagination usually, he can do that. He can. He can be flamboyant. He can add a little bit of flair. Like Chris Adler doesn't just play a straight metal beat, does he? He's always doing little bits here and there with the cymbals or with the snare that make it sound... Just gives it a different edge and a different vibe and gives it his unique feeling to it. And I think this drummer has a little bit of that as well. And I think I live for that shit, man. I live for drummers that are in metal bands that don't treat it like they have to play to be a metal drummer. Like I love hearing drummers that are bold enough and brave enough not to just sit there and think oh all i have to do is sit back here and play as fast as possible and just keep it straight no no, no you don't you, you you can you can change the nature of a song by fucking about with the rhythm by sort of playing in between the bars and playing in between the lines and this drummer does a bit of that and it's really really impressive now the metal stuff in itself is impressive but i i read the word deathcore and i kind of expect you to be a good drummer at certain stuff it's the other stuff that sets me apart, I think, that the little elements of flamboyance and things like that. Like, that's what that's what really makes certain drummers really, really special. And I think he's got a little bit of that, and I think that's um I think that's that's what has helped set this off. And as well, um, same with the keyboard guy. Whoever's doing the keyboards is clearly an incredibly talented pianist, but has been used beautifully. Like hasn't it's not over the top. They haven't tried to shoe on the keyboards in. And it's the same sort of thing. So what I would like to say here is that this album from Percussion Elsewhere is beautifully balanced. I don't feel like it's too guitar-led. I don't ever feel like it's too breakdown-led. I don't ever feel like it's too vocal-led or too piano-led or too percussive. It genuinely feels like I'm listening to like like a perfectly blended cocktail 
of great metal. You know, perfectly balanced, I think, is an absolute fantastic way to sum up this album because that's what it is. There's not too much of anything here. There's not there's not too much high pitch vocals that makes it sound like you're just listening to a rendition of Converge. There's not too much low pitch growls that makes it sound like you're listening to another rendition of Vyarty's Murder. And on the Vyarty's Murder point, when we reviewed Human Target, we were saying, you know, it is a bit, you know, like, you know, it's Vyarty's Murder. What do you expect? They're a deathcore band. What can they really do with it? Well. Uh, I'm not suggesting that Thy Artist Murder go down this route because what, there's nothing to say that, that this route would actually suit them. What I can say is this is by far the most interesting thing I've heard done with extreme metal in several years. 100. 100%. 100%. And whether this is just because it's the first time I've heard anything like this, maybe. But I actually don't think it is. I, I think that... See, Shell of Intent, I, I knew who they were, but I'd never really listened to any of their albums before. But I was always, you know, I, I kind of had an idea of what I was going to get going in. <laughs> yeah, you look yes. <laughs> well, you look the at the artwork. Yeah, yeah, the, artwork the artwork alone would suggest. However, I went in, I was like, this is, this is really, really interesting. This is completely different to anything I've heard or was expecting to hear. And I think that in terms of bands that can go somewhere completely different with a genre man the shadow of intent have got a real chance to be like a real front runner uh for deathcore and what deathcore can be because i i would never have suggested that deathcore could be so expansive as this album is and i think balance and expansive are, are two really great ways to sort of what this what you would get from this album um it's one of those things where quickly this stops becoming a deathcore album and it's just an experience of music like this becomes like an enigma of its own while you're listening to it because there's just so much going on but no it's it's never kitchen sink level no it's always pieced together well um the vocalist is absolutely astonishing uh his range just blows me away ben Jur, i think his name is uh he he's he's a a dexterous performer unlike any i've heard in, yeah yeah in, in this, extreme is, metal this is this year. yeah yeah this is this he might be the best voice in extreme metal based on this album alone and usually when they do the pig squealing stuff i remember we just we reviewed that despised icon and i was like oh there's too many pig squeals on this man it's just it's just fucking monotonous and boring uh, and he doesn't abuse the pig squeal here but even when he goes into the breeze <laughs> um it's still, like, done at such a fucking level of ferocity. And it seems proper, like, legit and robust. And this is an album that I think, referring to it as, like, you know, violent and all the standard pretenses you think of when you talk about extreme metal, I think is actually a disservice to this album. Yeah, it's so much cleverer than that. It, it, it's so much more intelligent than your usual meat grinder of, of uh, deathcore albums. This is literally on a pedestal of its own. I am absolutely astonished at the level of quality that has come out of this record. Uh, this is a band in Shadow of Intent that I expect really, really great things for that they can do for this uh, for this genre, for extreme metal in general. Uh, Melancholy is just an album that you have to hear to believe. Uh, it is instrumentally impeccable. Uh, it is vocally scarring. And yet... It's it's never overly foreboding in its heaviness. It's perfectly balanced, as you've said. It's different to anything you'll have heard in extreme metal this year, and I, I think 
anyone that is into extreme metal, deathcore, symphonic metal. It's it's got so much for literally everyone. There's your big. They they, they even managed somehow to fit big choruses into this album. Big anthemic anthemic metal choruses are somehow yeah. shoehorned into this, and it never sounds outside of its realm of uh, of quality or possibility. This is a special record. This is something that has absolutely blown me away. I am absolutely on board with Shadow of Intent, and I think we're looking at a legitimate album of the year contender here. This is fucking phenomenal. I completely agree, mate. Completely agree. It's one of the best albums I've heard this year. So that was Melancholy by Shadow of Intent. It's out now. Just fucking listen to it. There's not really much more we can tell you to do because it, it's one of those albums where there's there's not really much description we can do that would actually do it justice. Just go and listen to it. It's 52 minutes of your life that I can promise you you will enjoy. So, moving on to uh, main event of the show, Sam. Uh, mm-hmm. Kill Switch Engages Atonement. Uh, it is out now. Uh, it is their eighth studio album, which makes me feel quite quite old. <laughs> <laughs> now, you have actually been a Kill Switch Engage fan for longer than me. As people who have listened to this podcast before will know, I got into metal late. Uh, now, Kill Switch Engage is still one of my favourite bands of the, the 2000s. From when I've gone back and listened, I absolutely adore Killswitch Engage. Um, their, their time between 2004 to late 2007, I think they are the band uh, in metalcore. I think you could go back and listen to End of Heartache and As Dialogue Dies, and you could pick a cacophony of bands that would have been influenced by the things they were doing on those records. They've always been a band that I me and you have always have often pondered over i can't believe that they weren't absolutely like titanically huge and we always mention that you know we we you, you look back in time and out of bullet for my valentine trivium kill switch and avenged the ones you would have picked to succeed the least would probably have been avenged and yet it's avenged that managed to indeed to take that leap from metalcore band to huge scaping rock slash metal band that can pull in your 20,000 people into an arena and the, I, I always felt like I wonder what went wrong with Killswitch Engage as to what you know what stopped them from being able to take that leap from just a metalcore band that could spin the off the uh, amazing chorus riff and solo to band that could get 20,000 people singing along uh, to a rock or metal anthem and I think at this stage when it's album number 8 and you're listening to Atonement I think the answer becomes quite clear and that is that Killswitch Engage know how to play Killswitch Engage songs and they don't know how to no, don't know sounds a bit rude they don't have the lust to travel any further outside of their element of uh, comfort zone. Um, with Atonement, Sam, uh, yes. what were you expecting going in? Exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll let you take the floor for a little bit. Uh, what do you think? Uh, oh, um, it's okay. And that is that is as that is as far as it goes. Sadly, uh, it has occasional moments where I'm like, "Ooh, I like that riff," or "Oh, that chorus is okay," or "Oh, that solo is pretty good." But the rest of it is fucking like the inside of a Volvo. Like it's just so beige and bland for a metal band. Um, the thing is, as well, is if Killswitch came out with this as their first album, 
I would say something along the lines of, you know, it's got a bit of potential. The musicians are clearly very talented, but it needs something extra if they're going to be successful. Um, so to, for a band that's coming out with their eighth record and sounds like this, it gets to the point where you're like, well, at what point of Killswitch stopped growing as a band and are they just releasing music just to tour? Or is is this just their ceiling now? And they are never going to, you know, recapture the heights that you mentioned between 2004 and 2007. And the same as like we spoke last week about Slipknot. It's the same here. Uh, and I think the unerring conclusion, unfortunately, is that Killswitch Engage peaked around 2008 when they were touring as Daylight Dies. And no album they are ever going to produce is going to get close to it unless they actually go through like a hiatus and come back. Uh because then they've got longer to- a longer time to write the songs or they go through some sort of some personal change or they really, you know, never say never, but I, I would have to see something spectacular happen to Killswitch Engage to change their perspective, to change their songwriting, songwriting style for them to be able to recapture what made them so great over 12 years ago now because it has now been four albums consecutively where they have scraped into above average and to good. Um, so what I think of this is that it is a very decent album that I will tap my feet along to. Um, there's a couple of decent songs, um, but honestly, like sadly, it is, it is really quite bland. It is really quite average from start to finish. Um, I think... Unleashed is an okay song. I think Know Your Enemy's alright. I Am Broken 2, I quite like the guitar work on that. I quite like some of the thrashy bits on like Ravenous and Bite the Hand That Feeds. And Like I can pick out little moments, but there's not a fucking single song that if they, that if they when we go see them in October, there isn't a single song in this album that I'm looking forward to seeing at all. Oh, wow. I, and I don't, and I don't think anybody in the crowd will be feeling that either. I think people are like, "This is a good album," but what songs of these album, what songs out of this album would you put in any other Killswitch Engage album or any other kill, great Killswitch Engage set list? What song on this album, what song of the last two albums, would you actually hold up and say, "This is a great Killswitch Engage song"? This is a eight, nine, ten out of ten Killswitch Engage song that I think would kick off live. I don't think there is one. There is not There is not a song on here that cha- that moves the needle at all for Killswitch Engage. I think it is just another album that is like, meh, here we are. Here's ten Killswitch Engage songs. They sound like Killswitch. You'll tap your feet along. There's a couple of decent choruses. There's a couple of nice guitar harmonies. And then that's it. It just never, get, never goes anywhere. Last week when we were talking about Slipknot, I said that it's really important that bands do once once they once they get into twenty years or once they get into you know an album that's a few years past removed from their seminal records, it's really important that they just start experimenting and you know just give it a go with something a bit different. And this album is a perfect example of why of why that's the case. Yeah. Um, because this just sounds a bit tired, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. It sounds like Kill Switch Engage are on album number eight. And 
they have already done End of Heartache. They've already written My Curse. They yeah. have already written The Arms of Sorrow, and this is Absolution. And they've already written Rows of Sharon and uh, My Last Serenade. And they, have, they, they haven't got yeah. They've already got a great set list. We they, don't they, need any more. That's what I mean. They've already written their best songs, and they're in the studio. And it's like, oh, we're doing another metalcore record. Well, we'll just we're gonna have to like. Found it in doesn't feel like the right phrase, but <laughs> but it, it it does feel like does a bit does, yeah does feel like Kilsch and Gage are in a studio together and they're like oh fuck we've already written my curse <laughs> you know yeah what I mean? so I like the signal fire with Howard Jones yeah now I was a little bit disappointed that I didn't hear Howard Jones on his own on the chorus but the problem with doing Howard Jones on his own with the chorus it you know that's kind of baiting in the old oh my god I miss Howard so much. So I yeah. do I do understand not giving Howard a a, 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 um, a chorus on his own because that makes you know it difficult for Jesse, um, who I think is actually good on this album. I like him on I Am Broken too, and I also really like the chorus on that As Sure as the Sun Will Rise. But it's slim pickings on this record. I prefer this, I think, to Incarnate. Uh, listening back to Incarnate, I, I do think that album was a bit of a dud, actually. Um, apart from Quiet Distress and maybe Strength of the Mind, uh, that album was was, yeah. it was a real piece of rough sandpaper, man. Um, you know, Disarm the Descent was actually like a really good comeback, and I thought In Due Time was was one of the best songs that Kilson Gage have, have written, full stop. And, and, you know, I would expect that to be in the set list forevermore, because it's such a fucking great metal tune. But I, I think... I said to you when we were talking about Unleashed, I was like, I'm scared that the last great song Kills which you're ever going to write was in due time. Well, yeah, I think and I think I, that, I think that was the case. I think I think that's where we are. I think that's that. I think that's just how this is. Uh, the Crownless King has got Chuck Billy on from Testament, um, but it, it felt like a bit like second gear for me. Did you? Did you? Yeah. Like you got fucking this guy from Testament on it. You know what I mean? Like, and you, when, when I when I saw that Heather Jones and Chuck Billy from Testament were on this album, I thought, fuck me, man. That you know those two songs should be absolute fucking raging, massive metal tunes. It's just not the case. I do like the signal fire, but the Crownless King is just a bit like haphazard. Just moves from A to B. You know, some decent guitar, uh, some sorry, some decent riffs in there. But outside of that, it's just it's just really bland, as you said. And you know, I've, we've kind of said that about the last two Killswitch Engage albums now. And maybe it's time for us to just accept that that is. That is Kilstrin Gage now. That they, they, they will never write a song better than In Due Time again. Yeah, I think I think the album should be called Atonement Colon. That'll do. <laughs> but, I... it, it's difficult though because when we're talking about when we're talking about this, is this a, a byproduct of Kilstrin Gage's lack of ambition in the late two thousands? That's an interesting question. Um, I think I think they just found the ceiling. Chris, I think that's, that's all that happened, and bands find their ceiling. And I think it's nice to believe that every band could be massive if they really, really tried and pulled their socks out. But some bands just aren't good enough. And the more we look around, the more we realise um, it's we have to realise that at some point, Avenged Sevenfold were the most talented band of the mid two thousands. Yeah, and, and because they just were, and they've proven it. It's like 
like if you think of action heroes in the 1980s, right? People think of like it's a weird thing, but hear me out. Uh, people think of like Bruce Willis and people think of Sylvester Stallone, right? But uh, at some at some point, some point you have to realise that it was um, the dude that was pulling out like Star Wars and Indiana Jones, and like the consistency and being able to change yourself and all that sort of stuff. And and it's the same thing here, uh, is that we really wanted Kill Switch to be massive, but they can't do anything else but Kill Switch, and that that Kill Switch album is only going to be. Um, enjoyed by 500,000 to a million people, uh, whereas Avenged Sevenfold found a way to make their music accessible to millions of people, and now they're able to headline download and play arenas because they they were able to find the variety because they, they've got that level of talent. And Killswitch hadn't, and Bullet for Valentine hadn't, and Trivium hadn't. Um, bands are either geniuses or not, and they are able to write what they are good at writing or they're able to have the variety and it's really fucking hard to achieve success writing a certain way and then just deciding not to do it that way anymore because imagine that you're in your mid-30s right and you've got kids in a house and you know that sticking to your guns and writing how you're comfortable writing will get you 500 grand a tour around the world a 7 out of 10 review and no one will call you a pussy for changing your album. You can take your money and go home. Or you're going to go down the Avenged Sevenfold, good idea, or what could have been the Suicide Silence, very bad idea route. It's too risky, isn't it, for some for, for some bands, especially if in their heart of hearts, I don't think they want to be any other type of band. I don't think they're actually able to be any t- other type of band. That's it really, like, Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I think, bottom line, Killswitch and Gage are not good enough to write the sort of music that will get them headline in front of 25,000 people. At some point, it looked like they were. But really, they just reached their ceiling. That doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing either, does it? No. Like, let's point out, like we're going to go and see Killswitch and Gage in October. And, and have I'm a great time. We will have an absolutely amazing time because they're going to flood the set with classics. They're going to chuck in a few from Incarnate and a few from this album. And when they're playing the songs from this album, we'll nod our head along and, you know, we'll probably sing along to the chorus of Assure Us The Sun Will Rise or I'm Broken 2 or, or in fact, the Signal Fire if they choose to play that one. Um, and then we'll move on and we'll wait for them to play the next classic. And you know what, man? When it comes to your eighth album as a metalcore band, maybe that's okay. And maybe Killswitch and Gage have no, for no, for all intents and purposes, have no intention of being anything other than a metalcore band. And in that case, this album is a perfect depiction of where they are in their careers. But when it's when when we're at a time where it does feel like you know we're we're, we're starting to move towards bands like Knocked Loose. Who I'm not, and I'm not saying Killswitch Gage should do a hardcore record. Well, I'm, what I'm saying is, we're moving towards bands like Not Loose, which are doing something different with, with their confines, or even Shadow of Intent, the album we're just talking about, doing something different with their confines. Man, this album sounds old. This album sounds like it came out 14 years ago. Yeah. Which, which in 2019 is not a good. You know, is potentially. 
it potentially makes Kilshin Gay stand out as a, a band that have failed to move with the times. And maybe, may, maybe it's me and you that are struggling here. Maybe this is an album that just bangs with all the Kilshin Gage fans and, and it kicks off. But, but we are the Kilshin Gage fans, Chris. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It should it's, bang with us. <laughs> it's, 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 it's disappointing and it's a little bit... I don't know, man. Like, I kind of... This is a little bit better than what I expected it to be, though. I expected Jesus, this. How bad did you expect it no, to be? I expected this to be bum. I I, <laughs> I, I, I thought this was gonna I be. I can't believe that's the word you're gonna use. <laughs> I expected this to be absolutely fucking awful. Actually, um, I was gonna expect it to be anus. <laughs> because, because when Rectum. when Unleashed came out, I thought, oh, this is the song they've got the most faith in. Fuck. Yeah, that um, that what that was not a good sign. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, this album, like this this song is okay, and it's supposedly the uh, the song they've got the most favorite thing to draw attention to the album. And I was like, oh boy, I am fucking terrified for this album. So it was better than what I thought it was gonna be. There were some great choruses on there, and I do think Jesse sounds good on this. I think the problem with this is Adam D. As much as I love him, he's a great personality, exceptional guitarist. I think for metalcore. He's ran out of his genre-defining moments, and that's actually okay, because he had fucking loads of them in the early 2000s, because although Avenged went on to be by far the biggest band out of the four that we mentioned, in the early 2000s, Killswitch were pretty much untouchable. And that um, that live video, uh, that the, the, the name actually does escape me, but even though I only watched it fucking two weeks ago, but the name falls out of my head now. Um... On the the at the end of the end of heartache album cycle, that is a fucking really really uh, set this world ablaze. That's what it's called. Uh, that is a really really special moment in metalcore, and you can see there's just this groundswell, just appreciating what Killswitch Engage had created in a short amount of time because their self-titled deb- self-titled debut came out. Then you've got Live or Just Breathing, which was a really heavy nasty album, and obviously had the classic My Last Serenade on, and then. Once Howard comes in, they've got this expansive new confines and they're pretty much creating a genre of metalcore on their own and it's fucking amazing. And Adam D's iconic riff writing was done in the mid-2000s. And you know what, man? There's nothing fucking wrong with that because in two months when we see them, we're going to hear a lot of mid-2000 songs and me and you are going to fucking bellow them into the clouds. Um... So this album, Atonement, is absolutely okay, and it's nothing more. <laughs> it's, uh, and and it's nothing more than that. I'm just glad it's not bum. Um, it's yeah. it's per- it's perfectly fine. Not um, bum at all. It's 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 got zero bum. <laughs> Minimal rectum. Yeah, it's sound. It, they'll chuck a few in the set list. We'll wait for them to finish before they play the next banger. Um, and but I will be honest, it was more than what I was expecting. I was expecting an absolute doozy here, um, <laughs> and it's perfectly okay. Anything further for you to add, Mr. Lewis? Um, I will just echo. I'll just echo your sentiments there, mate. It is perfectly average, and that is okay. But it is a little bit sad when you list when you compare. I feel a bit sorry for him, actually, because we listen to something as expansive and as progressive as Shadow of Intent, and then you listen to something that literally sounds like it came out 14 years ago. A little bit yeah. difficult for... A little bit of a, a hard task for them to beat Shadow of Intent, to be fair. Indeed. Indeed. But, you know, it is, it is what it is, isn't it? It's hard, it's hard to say. Um, 
I just wanted to say, like, I don't have a, we don't, none of us have an agenda against Killswitch. They're literally one of our top ten favorite bands oh, between mate, the two absolutely. of us. Oh my god! Um, yes. oh, nobody wanted, nobody in the planet wanted this to be better more than myself and you. I'd, I'd say that. Um, it's just sometimes you got to be, you got to be honest, and and this, this, this ain't it, folks. Man, I wish I could just review Shadow of Intense again, shall we? <laughs> I think there's so much in the album that I think I actually might be able to. I'm gonna listen to it again for like probably every day for the next week now. Yeah, it's just fuck me, that album's amazing. Um but that is it for this episode of the Noise Podcast. We are gonna be back next week and oh my goodness, next week is going to be a fucking week and a half because we'll have album reviews on Knocked Loose and Wage War. No. As well as, I will be doing an interview with Joe Narn, who is a publicist for Nuclear Blast. He's a friend of the show. Uh, he's hooked us up several times. So I'm going to be interviewing Joe about how he actually got into the business, what the business looks like now, how different it is to when he first started, and just general um, hints and tips that he's got for anyone who would like to do a job that Joe does, because he has got a fucking great one. I remember saying to him when I met him, I was like, your job's amazing. Yeah, and he was like, mate, it really is. <laughs> he was like, it's the best thing in the world um so yet yeah, make sure that you look out for that one uh, this episode will be posted on spotify we are glad to announce and also just wanted to point out that uh last week's episode um wasn't up on time and i am working on getting it up now because the converter that i used to get the mp3 file around or on the different sites that we post it on uh, couldn't fit because the episode was longer than two hours so we are looking into that uh, i know a lot of you would have listened to it on youtube uh, already because it was done being one of our best performing shows in a while um but yeah uh, that are, that's that episode will be coming onto streaming services as well um so we're back next week uh album reviews on knocked loose and wage war give us a subscription on youtube mean the world to us don't forget to like and share uh, the podcast we will be back in seven days we love you bye